Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Faruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people and when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, eco-feminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to this very, very exciting episode of Seraphery Coaching's Legends podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life, and everybody has stories. And today I have an incredible person with us who does the most amazing work in the world and who has a really, really interesting story. In her 30 short years, she has crammed in so many amazing things, and I'm really, really happy to introduce Kozue Oka. Hi, Kozue. Hi. Nice to see you. So this is the first episode of my fourth season of the legends podcast and i had so many thank you thank you i had so <laughs> many seasons i had so many episodes and i thought right it's time for me and my podcast manager jane and my assistant laura my husband Keisuke, who's also my kind of cfo and uh and an editor he does all my super detailed work he's brilliant to, to kind of pull this together and put it into something really digestible and put together seasons and so this is number one you're the number one causeway of our new season and there are so many different ways to lead a life so i want to have my millennials in here many different nationalities of people so we can really witness all the different ways to lead a life and have those inform us about how we lead ours so first, I'm going to give a quick introduction to Cosway herself, so you know who we're talking about here. But then I'm going to give a little bit of background to uh, Mirai No Mori, the, the uh, organization that she works for. So beautiful Cosway is the executive director of Mirai No Mori. Born and raised in Japan, she has always believed in the power of nature. After studying environment and outdoor education in Sweden for a year, she joined Murino Mori to share her experience and to create an environment in which youth can be steered towards a positive cycle of self-actualization and creativity by discovering new possibilities and develop into confident individuals. Oh my God, I've got goosebumps all over my body. And some of the stories that we hear today will really tell you how Cosway works and how brilliant she is at bringing these empowering things out in the people she works with, the young people she works with, and how sustainability is baked into that as well. 
So a little bit about care homes in Japan. I'm sure that Kozaway can tell us a little bit more on the anecdotal side, but this is a bit more about the stats and figures in Japan. No different in most countries, I would imagine. So care homes and children's care homes are facilities that house children aged 1 to 18 who cannot live with their parents or whose family is unable to raise them adequately. There are various reasons for children to be admitted into these homes, including death, divorce, uh, illness, economic hardship. Um, However, in recent years, um, admissions as a result of abuse have been increasing, and now over half children in care homes have experienced some form of abuse in the past. I don't know why that is. Maybe Cosway has some background to that, but that's not one of the things I particularly was going to focus on today. But if you're curious, you can maybe find something out there. I'll maybe ask Cosway about that later. So there are 600 care homes across Japan. Um, 6.2 is the average age of entry for children. There are 30,000 children in care homes. 11.2 is the average age of children who are in the system. 37.9% of children are enrolled due to abuse. 59.9% of children have experienced abuse. And 81.7% of children still have one or both parents alive. So it's slightly different from what we would call, certainly in England, an orphanage. It is care homes here. And I just want to give a bigger picture statistic here, which is the population of Japan is about 120 million people, I believe, at the moment. Um, It's in decline, but that was the last figure that I knew about. To give some kind of comparison there, the United Kingdom is about 60 million. Um, including the four countries that make up the United Kingdom. So that gives you some idea of the proportions that are in play here. And so there's many issues that come from these care homes and life in care homes, social prejudice, psychological trauma, becoming independent, opportunities in the future. And these are the issues that lovely Cosaways amazing organization helps to address by taking children out into the forest, having them play, having them challenge themselves, having them sit in community together. And I'm sure we'll hear all about that later. So thank you for listening to this. I really wanted to give some background to you so we can really get into the juice with Kozue. What does Mirai no Mori mean, Kozue? Mirai no Mori means the future forest. So we believe that those children that we work are the generations that grow forests, but also they're like super grateful resources that we want to treasure. Amazing. So they are both something that you're nurturing to grow, but also they will give back in the future like a forest does. Amazing. That's absolutely beautiful. So I want to start with my opening question for you, Kozaway, which is, tell me a story that had an impact on you or that moved you. So this issue that Sarah kindly described is really a taboo issue here in Japan. And then I didn't really know much about it till I actually met Mirai no Mori. And then when I was interning or when I was just a team leader, I met a girl who grew up in the care home and she was maybe in Virginia high school. And then it was famous that she doesn't really click with anybody. Like she had a really difficulty trusting adults and then really acting out at our camps. And then I was kind of guarding myself or preparing myself to deal with it. But she somehow 
found something in me. And she was really nice to me. She had some connection. And we had good chat around the campfire or even in the bath. And then I think that really changed my view of those children in care homes. And then I know or I knew what kind of background she had to some extent from her care workers. And then I believe that I had an impact to some extent. And then she came back next year. I met her like for three years. And then I believe that like I made a small impact on her. And then that really was a motivation for me. Okay, I want to work for these children and then see what I can do. So when I had the option of working with the children from general household or Mirai Namori children, she was one of the reasons why, why I made that decision, I think. Beautiful. Do you know how she's doing now? Last time I heard, she was actually struggling. She became independent, left the home, and then her relationship with her mom wasn't that great, mm-hmm. but she lost her housing, had to live with her mom, a little bit influenced, and that's as far as I know. Yeah. But she lives close to the care home too, so hopefully mm-hmm. she's getting some kind of support from them as well. Yeah. Wonderful. So I have a cultural thing to flag here, just in case you're living in other countries, not Northern Europe. <laughs> um, when she says in the bath, in Japan, it's um, <laughs> it's usual for everybody to bath together. And um, it's called an onsen. You may have seen it. And it's a volcanic country. So these beautiful, beautiful big baths with volcanic water in them, onsen water, we call it, which have healing properties. It's quite normal. When I used to work in schools here, I would go away on our kind of company vacations and me and all the other teachers would be sitting naked in the bath together, chatting and uh, gossiping together. It's quite, quite normal for people to bath with their families, mixed <laughs> with your clients, with your co-workers when you go away. That's right, isn't it, Cosaway? It is, it is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're so welcome. It's just, uh, you know, sometimes I just have these cultural flags that pop up for me because it sounds very strange, doesn't it? When we were in the bath, it's like, what? <laughs> and, and I'm so glad. I mean, you know, England's not too prudy uh, in that way. Obviously not the same as Northern Europe, but um, I very quickly overcame my fear of being naked in front of people so that, or people I know, um, because um, onsens are so fabulous, aren't they? So relaxing. Okay, so Cosaway, let's get into it now. Tell me about your background, your ancestors, and your upbringing. So I was born and raised in Yokohama, in Kanagawa, in Japan, as a youngest of four. And all of us are just so different, but I think we're lucky to be raised just to embrace our differences, not really be compared with each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one who got my mom's influence the most. So she has been still working for a small NPO that supports autistic children. And she shared how hard it is, but also how rewarding it is. Then I was helping her when I was small with coloring the picture books or the cutting little things for her. And I always thought like her passion was really great. And then that really planted me for my dream rather than doing something for a big company that can easily replace me. I wanted to do something even small, but rewarding for my myself. And when I was in university, I was trying to figure out what I want to do in the future, like so many other Japanese students. And 
I try variety of things like club activities or joining study tours or, and then I met outdoor education as a concept from Germany. Then I thought it was really interesting. And I found that also program in Sweden that was really famous. And then again, I was lucky and privileged enough to study abroad in Stockholm University for one year. And then I did have a great experience at first hand. I joined their local club activities and then went to the woods with the children. And then Swedish people are generally super fluent in English. And then even the small ones that I work with, they're like, they're like really having fun trying to communicate with me in English. And then we went ice skating on the frozen lakes, which everything was so new to me too. And then coming back, I wanted to do something similar, bringing those power of nature to empower the youth. And my professor introduced me to English Adventure, which actually gave birth to Mirai no Mori. Mm. And I was a camp leader, met Mirai no Mori as well, and interned, and then got a job soon after my graduation. Amazing. So I have a couple of questions here. What's it like being the youngest of four, and how do you think it influenced mm. you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think in general, my siblings really get along, but yeah, they ask me to do things or do the shopping or do chores, but I think I didn't really mind too much. And then people say, oh, you are the spoiled one. And I want to say, no, I wasn't, but I think I was in a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I think we each have a role and in our family dynamics. And then I think everybody's happy with that. Yeah. You mentioned how, that you are privileged to be able to go and study in Stockholm. But I have a question about that, which is, how did you have the courage to get up, leave your home country, and then just go to, to a completely different country and, and study? Yeah. I don't know. When I look back now, I was like, wow, I was courageous. I don't know yeah. how I did it. <laughs> But my sister and my brother both did study abroad in the States. Mm -hmm. So I always had a, not really a dream, but I always thought if I have something that I want to study abroad, I want to go to that country and then try something new. And I think that's why I was enjoying studying English in my junior high and high school with the hope of being able to communicate with so many other people through English. And my professor who introduced me to English Adventure was also pushing me to try to study abroad because I was really worried about my English, especially speaking. But I'm glad that I did it for sure. What did you study? It was environmental education. But I was able to take lots of different classes as an exchange student. But the class I enjoyed the most was I think it was outdoor pedagogy or the kind of formal education and also inclusive education. So how those special needs kids should be in the same classroom and then just learning together, but different tools, different support, rather than like in Japan, have separate classroom and then really not included at all. It's interesting. What's the benefit of the inclusion? Uh, I think it's, 
raising awareness as well. And then it's just letting them experience that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be who you are. It, it mm-hmm. has some kind of similarity with what Mirai no Mori does as well. Was it your mom who sparked your interest in this outdoor pedagogy? And also, like, where did the outdoors piece come in? Were you always quite outdoorsy? Were you an outdoorsy family? How did that come about? That's a great question. We weren't outdoorsy at all. <laughs> the most outdoorsy experience I remember was just went to the forest nearby and then just boil some water with the little stove, like chicken namen, a cup noodle. <laughs> then that was the outdoorsy thing that we've done as a family. We didn't really go camping. Uh-huh. We did spend lots of time like in the parks or like the oceans or that kind of trips, but mm-hmm. we were never campers. But I think I just liked being outdoors, not necessarily for survival or like extreme outdoors, but in the parks, in the under the sun and from when I was small. But I think it was really when I started working for Minai no Mori that I loved, but also I guess Sweden time how Mm -hmm. I really saw how close the nature is or was to Swedish people. It wasn't something that they do on a special occasion. It was a more daily basis. They go out, pick up mushrooms or berries, and it was really in the lifestyle that they chose. I thought that was really great. And then borrow that power of nature into our daily lives was something that I, I think got more interested in as I work more with if I answered your question. Yeah, it's beautifully answered. And I, I was wondering where that spark came from of, of mm. wanting to be in nature and and understanding nature. Because, you know, I have a similar story myself in a way in that I don't consider myself to be super outdoorsy. We did camp and my dad would take us on walks and he still goes on walks. He's a super kind of outdoorsy nature guy, right? Always. Even now at the age of 78, he'll cycle for 20 miles and, you know, just loves getting out into nature. But I wouldn't consider myself either to be an especially kind of, you know, kind of Patagonia girl or anything like that. But nature is so important to me that I feel like Mm. I can, well, we are part of nature, that I can feel it so close. I look out of my window and I see the hills and I walk down to the sea and I, you know, I have like, like shells and things like I have, I've got them in my eye line now. I put like really like, I put these two shells out because it's you and me having our conversation. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like it's uh, I'm the big shell. <laughs> so it's just where does this come from? This maybe some people just have a much stronger connection to nature than than others, or maybe it comes through later in life. I used to love living in Tokyo, and then suddenly I was like, I need to be surrounded by forests, and I need to be able to walk to the seaside. Like it was that quick. Like, do your other brothers and sisters also have a strong connection with nature? Like, my brother needs to be by the sea as well. So he and his husband have a place in London and a place by the sea. So, you know, Mm. and he's really close to the park and he goes walking around Regent's Park a lot. Do you ever see it in some of the kids? Do you see some of the kids have a kind of light in their eyes where they are like, there's something magical about them? Yeah, I think as for my siblings and my families, they're not really super outdoorsy either. But I think they get refreshed by walking around the park. So go hiking occasionally or just relax by the sea. And what I see in the children, 
I think the nature definitely has something special. Mother Nature is great for them to really realize what they like or who they are or what kind of how much challenge they can push. And I think we outdoor is one of our core tools, design our programs as well. It's a great environment for them to be treated equally as well. And then, yeah, yeah I'm not sure if I want to say heating effect because we're not like therapists and then yes. we don't really have that in a professional way. But I think in general, people know that it's really just nice to be outdoors and then do something under the sun in the rain and Love that. Yeah, that that connection. And, and what you say, like everybody's equal under Mother Nature. Mother Nature is not kind of sending a, a tornado or a hurricane or a typhoon to us and then picking out certain people. Right. It's just whoever's in their path. That's just luck. Right. I think there's another thing in here that you said, which is really, really interesting, which is about healing. And I'm glad you were like, we're not healers. I'm very clear about that as well. I'm not a healer, but I'm working at the moment with a wonderful woman called Gretchen. And she says, yes, we don't cure people of grief or whatever it is, but healing is a process where little bits of yourself can get feel better. And I like that idea much better. So I'm never going to put like on my bio, I'm a healer. (laughs) Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. But healing is a process by which we can feel better. Coaching is a process by which we can feel better. Do you see what I mean? Or we get these tools and techniques. And so I think that's what you're saying here is that when they get out into nature, something starts healing. It's an ongoing process, but you're not like some kind of wood witch who goes, and now you're healed. And they're like, thank you, I'm going to become prime minister. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of bullshit out there around that causeway. So I really appreciate you having flags that so it's it's also a bit of a healing experience for them too what have you seen is there any stories you've observed there with without mentioning any names or giving away anybody's identities but is there anything any stories of like people who have just shown some kind of healing when they've been in your programs I think in general not just being in nature in the environment that Mirai no Mori creates they can really be themselves, I think, especially those children are surrounded by so many rules that they yeah. feel that they can't change. Yeah. And now they're in nature and then in our environment, they can, it's not like they can do whatever they want. We have structure, but it's much more loose and like building on the trust basis as well. So they can smile in a way that co-workers has never seen for example or they can do the hiking for super long distance that co-worker never thought they would be able to so it's nature plus the environment that we bring definitely i think opens their capacity or potentials for sure so i mean care workers are such incredible people aren't they they have such incredible jobs and they give so much of themselves tell me where i'm wrong no, at all. Like they're super, super hot walkers. So they sometimes have fixed ideas about the kids, right? Based on just the environment that they're in, in the homes or in the schools, or they have may also have fixed ideas about themselves. 
right, as well, because they do the work with them, right? Tell me where I'm wrong. Are they, they go walking with them and hiking or doing all this stuff with yeah, them? Yeah, 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 everything. Yeah. How about you? How does this impact you? So when all these other people are sh- like the care workers are like, oh, wow, didn't expect that or didn't expect I could do that. And then the kids are like, wow, I didn't expect I could do that. And the care workers are like, I didn't expect I could do that. And some healing processes start mm, to come about. Mm. How about you? Yeah, I think for me, camps or programs when I can actually be in nature with the children, seeing the action in first hand definitely keeps me going, especially in the very beginning. We only had summer camp. So mm-hmm. the prep takes a whole year, but also it was a long time to prep for like three weeks of camp. And then I, I think I needed to see the children and then get energy from them, get the energy from the outdoors to keep me going. I'm really mm-hmm. glad that we have those annual touch point now mm-hmm. to keep me sane as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So describe a camp to me. We've just been talking about these camps, but I don't think anybody has an idea of what they are. So describe a camp to me. So summer camp is our biggest program. Four night, five days, sleep in tents and then in the surround, very nice nature. We usually do it up in Tohoku in Miyagi. And then our programs are designed with two concepts and three tools. So our programs are always experiential learning based and also continuous, like on a regular basis. Mm. And then with those two concepts, I think they can really learn those skills that we want them to gain really proactively. So if they know that there is next time or next month program or next year, they can think like, okay, I was too shy to introduce myself in English, for example, but I was really sad or so I'm going to try harder and then do it next month. Or I was too afraid to jump into the waterfall from the rock. So I'm going to try next year so that I can do it. So with them knowing that there is another time or next time that they can actually experience is really powerful. And then three tools are outdoors, diversity, and role models. So outdoors to challenge themselves emotionally, also physically, so that they can gain confidence. And diversity is to, again, to broaden their views and then for them to experience that it's okay to be different, it's okay to be who you are. And then the world is much bigger than they actually think. And role models also to broaden their views and then so that they can dream bigger, that Exposure to positive role models are a little bit limited for these children. So by us interacting or by us bringing sponsors, volunteers into the program so that they can really see, oh, okay, this is the banker who works in Tokyo with the cool suit, or well, this is the rafting guide who actually live as a rafting guide. So there are many like those spots that we can bring into. So we create programs with those concepts and tools. And then during summer camp, we do lots of hiking, lots of cooking and stream hiking, campfire, singing and dancing. But it's all based on the skills that we want them to gain. For example, to do five kilometer hike, our goal is not for everybody to finish the five kilometer hike. If they have some struggle, or communication problems in the team building, 
then if they achieve something from there, we don't have to submit that or we don't have to complete that five kilometer hike. So it's, I think our programs are really unique in a way that really, I guess, cater for those children's needs. And then we're still like always improving our programs, learning lots from the co-workers. But five day is just so much fun, lots of interesting memories, impactful incidents, and then lots of laugh and tears. Laughter and tears, yeah. I understand <laughs> that. One thing I, I, I remember is that you never force the children to to do anything they get to opt in and opt out and i think that's absolutely brilliant because it's not that like no pain no gain kind of attitude it's much more like you're helping them to develop decision making skills as well so that you can say you don't have to do it now right you don't have to do it now in fact i'm going to ask you about this later or the three the three questions you you finish up with or four i can't remember and i think that's absolutely genius because they have to choose then and they're so used to being told what to do all the time tell me where i'm wrong definitely not wrong yeah so then they have to start developing this skill to go it's very easy if somebody goes, you have to do the five kilometer hike and finish and for them to go, no, I'm not going to do it. And that this creates a kind of drama and, and a very a familiar and codependent and uh, delightful drama that people love to get into. But if you say to them, we're going to go on a five kilometer hike. Yeah, you, you get to choose. And we'd love it if you finished. It's up to you and you can decide, but you get to decide where you go from. It's like, oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> And I think I really, really appreciate that because it aligns with coaching for me as well. That sense of like mm. allowing people to be empowered. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So I'm interested in how you live out these uh, values as well. So one story I do know about you, we're talking about somebody being very shy or too shy to introduce themselves is there was a time when you would have described yourself as being quite shy, right? And um, refusing to, or attempting to refuse to do, I think it was for, for empowering women in Japan, few, a presentation to them, but your team encouraged you to be the one who did it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how you live out these values and how you started to show up and live out the values of the organization more and more and more? So it's interesting <laughs> for me too, because when I was at school, I was definitely the shy one. I didn't want to stand out. I didn't raise my hands, even though I knew the answers. I was trying not to be under the spotlight and I wanted to do the same thing with everybody else. And then somehow I ended up in, with Mirai Namori. And then I think finally these couple of years, I start to realize what my title means or what kind of responsibility that comes with. In the beginning, I didn't really understand. And then I was doing things that I thought I was supposed to do and then I was enjoying it. But then it got to a point where I, I had to start pitching and then start being responsible for the fundraising as well. And it was the few event at the Bonenkai and I had a complex of speaking English in front of everybody. I wasn't really confident and then I asked our ex-chair to do the speech for us but he told me that it I have to just start doing it and then and I still remember I stood up in front of everybody it was after the presentation of Charles from Second Harvest yeah which was always of course brilliant he was engaging the audience and then came to my turn 
And then like, yeah, don't know what to say. <laughs> but then again, I think my experience from that event was like everybody was just so nice. I was like strumbling and then I was like mumbling, but everybody was there to try to understand and all the great feedback they shared afterwards. And then we know that it takes practice as well. Yeah. So I, I'm really glad that it was at that event that I pushed myself and then started doing those speeches. And then I was lucky enough to be working with the Night Saint White Light crowd, totally different crowd. And I did it in the pubs and then big corporate sponsors and then over Zoom. And I think I feel more comfortable now, yeah. but it was interesting beginning. <laughs> It is an interesting beginning and it is like, I still get nervous when I speak, even before this today, I you know, was planning and I've got notes written down and I was talking to myself with the Zoom on to mm -hmm. check and, and all that kind of stuff. And it will be what it will be. You know, I think I come across as being exceptionally confident and people are very, very, very surprised when I, I say, no, no, I've developed the skill and I still get nervous. And I'm still, you know, before I even walk out onto a stage sometimes, I'm behind looking in the mirror or the window behind me and I can hear them introducing me and I'm checking my posture and I'm checking my facial expressions, not like, you know, angry and stuff like that. So that when I go out, I can give my very best to that audience, not a performance, but so it can feel natural. And I think that's absolutely brilliant what you said there, because your role requires you to be present and out there, or you hire somebody else into the organization to do that side of it for you. And I just love that you're on the same path as the children. And I, as far as I understand, they give you quite a lot of confidence. Is that right? Definitely. Or a sense of responsibility. <laughs> Definitely both, I think. <laughs> Say more about that. Like I, I'm still working on my confidence and yes. then like everything. But it's when I do the pitch and explanation about Mirai Namori, those are the skills that we want children to have, like confidence in themselves, the ability to ask for help when they need it, and then the ability to act on their own, think on their own, and then to be able to reach out to the community without hesitation. And then when I was explaining it, I didn't really feel that those are the skills that I want or I need as well. <laughs> so once I realized it, I think it's been more interesting. I am more conscious in a way. I'm more aware. Like we are on the same path. Like doesn't matter which chapter we are all in. And then especially like our work doesn't finish when they leave the care at the age of 18. We have our outdoor programs for those children up until the age of 18, but we are also developing our alumni network so that they can always come back to, we want to become an organization where they can feel it's a home away from home. Then that's for me as well. It's a life work. You can get those skills by the age of 18. You have to just keep making mistakes and learn from them and get the support when you need it and then build a community. I'm like, ah, that, that's a life work for them, but also for me as well. So Absolutely. when I realized it, I think it really made sense. Love that. And, and it, this clearly comes back to that experiential and continuous. It is continuous. You know, we have to look after ourselves. I mean, 
you know that I had an incident in June when I wasn't asking for enough help and I allowed myself to get quite sick. And so it's so important, even people like me or you coaches, I mean, there's 20 years between you and I, we still make that mistake of thinking we can do it all and we're the strong one and we're the one who should be doing this, that and the other, or we just forget. So it is that kind of continuous reminder that we need to keep reaching into our communities to keep ensuring we've got the right things in place. And we're taking those offers of help to make sure that we are looking after ourselves in the same way that we look after, for me, my clients or my family, or for you, the children and your family as well. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? So tell me then, what kind of help and support do you have out there? What's your Mirino Mori besides Mirino Mori? Who are your Mm. support systems? Yeah, definitely families. We live nearby and I have four nephews and nieces one on the way this week (laughs) lovely congratulations lovely thank you thank you yeah i'm glad to have that kind of close family network that's available and then i i think i get energy from just chatting with the close friends and not necessarily chatting about those serious topics but just chatting about anything and knowing that like everyone is on the different path and but last year when i turned 30 <laughs> then trying congratulations. to congratulations thank you thank you i'm 50 <laughs> next week by the time yeah, this goes I out i was 50 on saturday i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry yeah, go ahead and i think i was doing Mirai no Mori since my graduation from university and i never had like a designated boss for me mm-hmm. i always have supervisors maybe but it's not like i always support like a report back to that person get approval or wait for the task to be on my desk and then start doing them i always had to think what needs to be done and i think i was managing it okay till last year when I was kind of feeling lost. Like, how mm. can I take Mirai to the next level? How can I be more confident actually explaining what we do? And for example, we've been surviving for seven years now. And then we have been supported by so many people from like for fundraising as well. But I couldn't really explain why we survived for that long. I go, oh, I don't know. I think we're lucky. But I wanted to be confident saying, okay, like this is how we did it. This is why we are surviving. This is why we're able to keep supporting those children rather than, ah, I don't know. (laughs) And then it was a little bit overwhelming. But again, like I think I was able to ask for help. And then our board members are really great taking care of me and looking after my career as well especially in Japan, NPOs are not seen as a good status job or it's more like you have to sacrifice your time, your money to really do good for those causes. So in that sense, I feel I'm lucky that they're there for me to think about my career as well. And then we talked about maybe getting those how to lead NPO courses or intensive courses or get the sabbatical or get coaching and then I think coaching was something that I was most interested in and that's how I actually met Sarah as well so this coaching has been really interesting journey for me as well 
And through this program, I've met so many different people again with so many different lives. And then I'm really grateful to be able to witness those journeys on a real time basis. And yeah, learning so many different tools so that I can know more about myself. I think that will be my key this year, knowing about myself. And then again, I can definitely contribute that back to the program as well for children to get to know about themselves and what works good for them, what doesn't, and how they can get back to the good cycle. Love that. And again, this aligns, I've got goosebumps all over my body again, because it aligns so clearly with the role models thing as well. So you have, through coaching, you have access to this kind of very interesting group of people who can be your role models, but you are also a role model to them. And, you know, you can teach them and through the stuff that you know about Mirino Mori, because essentially we're all the same, like what you're doing in Mirino Mori is very similar to what I do in my coaching programs as well. It's just adults, but we all have loads of children who live inside us anyway. So uh, I think some people call that inner child work. Um, and so it's 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 absolutely wonderful to have you in my groups. It really is. It, it's it's Thank such you. a tonic. You know, it just brings such a different focus. It pulls focus in a different way and it helps us all to be aware. And I noticed that one of our co-coaching people reposted something that you're doing for Marino Mori at the moment, which is a, uh, a collaboration with something called Wholesome and a lot of different New Zealand products. Is that right? Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I want to say I'm really proud of you as well in so many different ways. And it's nothing to do with me. When I say I'm proud of you, what I mean is I'm proud to know you and I'm proud to be in your orbit. And I'm proud that you said yes to working with me. And just before COVID hit, I went to your Marino Mari party and there was hundreds and hundreds of people there in like a really premium location, Amatisando. And you just got up and talked and you know, you just look so comfortable. And it was an event like no other. There was so many people there. It was absolutely brilliant. I won a pair of AirPods in the raffle, which gives you some indication of the level of quality and brilliance and donation that you, Causeway, are pulling into this organization. Very, very professional pulling of attention, I think I would, I would call it. So I think it's really important for you to recognize that, but for anybody who's listening to also recognize when you are doing that kind of stuff, because it can be very easy, especially like you said, when you're working in an MPO, to think that it has to be all sacrifice and all pulling focus away from you. And that's absolutely right when you're with the children. But when you're in your regular life, it's really important for to recognize the kind of force that you have to pull people together. Um, and I would invite anybody who's listening to recognize their own unique talents based on that as well. Um, also, that sorted out my husband's Christmas present for that year. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was able to take it directly from that to England and put it under the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit more about then what's in the future for Marino Mori then and what's in the future for you, Causeway? Yes. So for Mirai Namori, we're actually in the process of building our own campsite. Wow. So it's a huge project and then it's just moving step by step. But it's getting to a point where this year we have nine program graduates from our high school program. And we Mm -hmm. are still keeping in touch by those like online Zoom meetings or lunch or like 
going to cafe here and there, but we want to be able to be resources for them when they really need it. And then also for us to do more programs, more meaningful programs on more regular basis, it makes sense in a way to have our own campsite where we can call home. So that's the huge project that we're trying to figure out right now. We don't know if it's going to take three years or 10 years, but it is definitely an exciting program. And then we want to build a community with everybody who's helped us to come this far and also build those campsites with children that we work with. And then they can graduate and then have families and come back camping at our ground campground as well that's again like more sustainable more dream yeah and then for me yeah Mm -hmm. yeah definitely for me it would be great to be part of it in each stage i don't think i can run everything (laughs) (laughs) well if there's one thing you've learned in coaching i hope it's that (laughs) and through your experience as well of course experientially Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but I think I still want to be part of those dream campsites maybe I don't have to run programs anymore when we have our own campsite running but I still want to be there sprinkle my own flavor cosuenes as I mentioned before and be part of it in a new way as well cosuenes what's cosuenes tell me more about that because I understand (laughs) that that was something you came up with on an on an off-site with some coaching yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. compadres, is that right? Yes, yes. So kozue in Japanese means the branch of a tree. What? And then... <laughs> I'm sure you've told me that before, but I've forgotten. It means the branch of a tree. Tree, yeah, That's it is. so fabulous. <laughs> yeah. So I was born at the end of December, so my mom had to spend the New Year's which is big vacation in Japan in the hospital. And she was looking at the trees and then birds are coming by to rest on the branches and then recharge and fly by again. And that was kind of image that she had for my name. So so that I become somebody or some place for people to just come by, talk or spend time together, get recharged and then fly back to their real life or Mm -hmm. their own journey so my name is in hiragana yeah that's i was going to ask you that i was thinking am Mm. i mental here am i am i being weird or like am i forgetting this but it is it's in hiragana so let me just explain what hiragana hiragana. is is that okay in the japanese writing system there are three types of ways to write well four actually so the first one is kanji the chinese characters that you would you would know the second one is hiragana which is the phonetic uh, version so like these phonetic versions of Japanese words, right? So it gives tense to words because in the Chinese system, there's no tense. It's just characters only. So in Japan, we give tense to the words and we use hiragana to do that for Japanese words. But then also Japan is really unique in that it wants to be able to express foreign words as well or non-Japanese words so it has a whole system the same system the same phonetic system called katakana which is it's kind of the expression of non-Japanese words but using Japanese phonetic style 
And then finally, they also use alphabet for some things as well, which they call romaji, or which we call romaji. So usually with names, you would have the Chinese characters and it means something. But mm. Kozue's mm. mom chose to have Kozue, so that's three characters, Kozue, in hiragana. Why? <laughs> that was a really long-winded explanation, but I hope it's been useful for somebody out there. <laughs> yeah, so my sister's name's in hiragana as well. And that's part of the reason. But also my family name is just in one Chinese character, Oka. What does it mean? Hill. 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 Very nature. So outdoorsy. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so if my family name was in just one character and then my name, Kozue, could be in just one character. Or one Chinese character. So it's a little bit too short in a way. So to mm. keep a good balance and then to keep it more soft, I think my parents chose hiragana. Interesting. And that's another thing that's so beautiful in kind of traditional Japanese sensibilities, that sense of balance and softness. It comes through in ikebana. It comes through in um, traditional arts and crafts. It comes in through traditional ways of decorating one's house and moving with the seasons and stuff as well. How very beautiful. I've just had another kind of cultural awakening here. It happens all the time, obviously. I've only been here for 20 years. So, um, yeah, beautiful, Kozoe, beautiful. What kind of impact do you think that has on you, your name, like the Branch Hill? Had any influence on you? Yeah, I never had the chance to really think about this might mean for my life. But as you mentioned, when I was doing the workshop through the coaching, I think it really makes sense that I actually want to be true to my name. I don't want to be the main tree of what I do. I just want to be part of the branch and just looking over everybody, looking after everybody. And like, not everybody has to come to my branch. They can just pass by or just see that I'm there and that's it. Or they can actually come drop by or... So I think that kind of gave me an image where I... I'm comfortable with as well. And then I when I when I go, I don't want to be the front person always leading the path, but it's yeah. more like somewhere there. And then I'm I know that I'm playing a very important role, but not everybody would click with me or not everybody has to believe in what we do, but we are there and do what we're believing in. It's really interesting because before we we started here I made some notes here about you and one of the things that I wrote down here was that you are a quiet leader a gentle leader but a fierce leader so there's this like fierceness and this absolute resolute unstoppable force in you but also a very kind of quiet and gentle leadership and I think that kind of reflect I've literally written these words down here and that you are brilliant as well and that is something Thing that you really bring to the table there is this different way of, well, I say different way of doing leadership. In my line of work, I see leaders of all types, all types, all types of neurodivergence, all types of extroversion, introversion, sensing, feeling, intuition, you know, judging, perceiving, all different kinds of ways of doing leadership. So it's no surprise to me that this is one of them. 
you also work alone a lot and especially with covid i'm just interested to know how you are as a young person coping with that mm i think i was lucky no way from the first day of my works like seven eight years ago it was working from home so working from home wasn't a new thing for me so i had the routine already set up for me and then i can go to the office because it's a shared office with not so many people and i live very nearby my parents place my sister's place and then i have meetings over zoom so i don't feel like i'm stuck in my place 24/7 without talking to anybody but i think if it was the case like working from home not having any meetings not having families around to chat i think that would have been really really tough yeah and you also have to get quite creative with the programs for the kids didn't you because when we've been put into state of emergency here you're not allowed to travel up to the uh, site in Miyagi in Tohoku Tohoku incidentally listeners is uh, where the great earthquake occurred 10 years ago so you may have heard of Tohoku for that reason and Miyagi is the Fukushima prefecture and um it's that area where you will have, you will be familiar with it from the earthquake and tsunami that happened miyagi was very badly affected by that um so you had to get quite creative what did you do so last year when the first state of emergency happened we couldn't do anything in person but that i think was when the kilowatts were struggling the most because the schools were closed children were there 24/7 and then they're trying to figure out what they can do to keep their learning but also it's not like they can go to Disneyland every day they were supposed to be inside the home so yeah. lots of fights and lots of things to arrange and lots of arrangement with the parents of visit and yeah. oh, so wow. what we did was sending activity kits so we have some like nature bingos or little games that we tweak for the home environment so we sent them out so that they can do it on their own time or collected those staff volunteer messages from like past camps and then put them together and then send them out so that they can kind of still have the connection with the outside world yeah and then this year it's a little bit different or trying to figure out how we can still do programs in person in a way because that's what kilowatts really want So summer camps are canceled this year and last year. So this year we went to the nearby parks for those care homes so that they don't have to travel. And then also we did it home by home so that children from different care homes didn't have to mix. So that was kind of like let's see how it goes, but we're going to just keep talking to the care workers what they want us to do and what we can do to keep their learning. because they still have to leave the care at the age of 18 and it's kind of lost time or they, yeah. their growth or their experience cannot really be put on hold yeah of course so i would like to start to close out now one of the questions i want to ask you and this is something that will be useful to you listeners as well is what are the questions you ask your reflection questions you ask at the end of every camp so that's part of this adventure way to make mm-hmm. their program experience more meaningful we do this refreshing and then we have those four activity cards 
one is yay. So things mm -hmm. that they say yay. And then impa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yay, impa, new, and hmm, next time. So we let them choose what they want to talk about. And then they share in the team level. And then when we have the opportunity, we ask everybody, okay, who is courageous enough to share your reflection in front of everybody and then sometimes people do it and then yeah it's, I really like that activity I love that activity and actually if you don't mind me saying I asked you to come and deliver that back for our coaching group because I thought it was such a terrific activity and it worked so well and also you were able to talk about Marino Mori to you know very impactful women as well so yay impact new mm -hmm, next time and that's the thing I really love the mm, next time one because it doesn't force people to be like you know super fierce it just gets it allows them to feel fine like mm, I didn't go down the waterfall this time I enjoyed watching everybody else but I don't want it didn't want to do it so I might try it next time or something like that or I didn't speak up at the introductions but you know, now I feel more confident to do that or something like that. So it gives them that. I find that incredibly empowering, not forcing people to do things in that way. Terrific. So before I ask our final question, Cosaway, where can we find you? And we will link to all these places below. And do you have any asks of people at the moment around any campaign that you have on or how people can donate? Yes, so we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and a website. I think website is the most resourceful one. And yes. like we campaign wise, we have one in September that you mentioned with the wholesome Japan. It's a great healthy New Zealand products. And they actually donated some to campers this summer too. So we tried their peanut butter, we tried their energy bars, and they're really fun and interesting and yummy. Yeah. So that's something that so what's for those that we who love purchase. We can purchase that. Is that right? Yes, from online store. And then 10% of the sales during the month of September will be a donation for us. Amazing. Oh, my God. I'm going to get over there so I can see here. There's peanut butter. There's hemp cookies. There's crackers. There's organic kind of balms and stuff. Mm. Amazing. Mm. All consumable. Amazing. Love that. And I think except for that campaign it would be great if they can sign up for the newsletter for future opportunities and how the children are doing and that will be much appreciated love that because i i really love to see the output and the sustainable because you know we're all part of this massive village called japan and the world right so it's really wonderful to see just even if one person ends up having an amazingly positive impact going out. And then once you get this camp up and running, your own Mirai no Mori location, that creates sustainable potential for all the people who work there because there could be jobs for them or there could be, you know, like you said, like family coming back in the future with their kids and telling their kids the story and what have you. It's just, or they could be volunteers or anything like this. It's just such a terrific concept. And I, you know, call our listeners to think about how these kinds of concepts can be incorporated into our own lives, these kind of sustainable, empowering ways to live in our own lives. Um, the website, by the way, is mirai no mori.jp. And we will JP. link to this in 
yes, .jp. <laughs> and we will link to that in the show notes. But of course, you can just Google Mirai no Mori, and that's M-I-R-A-I, because it's the Japanese way. Mirai no Mori, N-O-M-O-R-I. So there's that. So there are many ways to lead a life. Kozoe, what does this mean to you? I think it's okay if what you're passionate about changes, but I think it would be great to be confident in what you are doing right now and then just build your community and then just be confident in what you are doing and all the choices that you make. And that's something that I'm trying working on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I think the life work, I think is another keyword for me. It's not yeah. like you do this one thing and you are like happy forever. Like you, <laughs> yay! <laughs> yeah, you're done. Ta-da! No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I like this working in progress, and then just yeah. be confident in what you're doing right now. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. And of course, you get to see all these different children's ways of their lives because each of them has a unique story as well. There's not one way to be in a care home. There's so many different ways. And I have high hopes for the kids who come through your programs and for the ones who don't as well. I mean, you know, I wish the very best for all of them because that's not my experience of of how my life was led as a child. So thank you so much, Cosaway. It was so beautiful speaking to you today. I learned so much. I learned about being the branch. I learned about your name more. I love your four questions. Um, the yay, the impact, the what was new for you and what's, what's next. I'll be thinking about that. So my yay was just listening to your story and the impact you have on these children and the future forest and sowing the seeds for the, for the, for the future, not just, not only in terms of the kids, but also in terms of nature, because you will be creating this beautiful camp for everybody. The impact you have, you, I don't know if you understand the impact that you have on me and the other people who are in the group with us. I hope you understand the impact that you personally Causeway have on people and how much you open our eyes to more ways that lives are led that we wouldn't otherwise be able to see. And it's that you were confident enough and creative enough and courageous enough to bring your voice to the table and to stand on your branch and allow yourself to be seen. That means that so many other of us are so keenly aware of our own privilege and keenly aware of how we can be more aware of that in the world and that we can contribute to your your world work what's new to me today yeah I think new to me today was your your name Cosway and learning more about that that was that was really new for me today Mm -hmm. next time I would like to check back in with you in one or two years time and interview you again about how the camp is going and maybe I can do a camp visit sometime once the corona's over and just come and you know, dance around the campfire. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Cosway. Thank you, everybody, for listening. There are many ways to lead a life. Everybody has stories. I want to hear them and tell them. And thank you so much for listening to this, our first in our fourth season. Bye, everyone. Happy birthday, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Furuya Legends podcast. Hop over to sarahfuruya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Buoyed up by the stories of these people, I would call them ordinary, they're not. But these people, these beautiful legends who I've selected to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Furuya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Furuya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.